Welcome to The Father's Heart with Tom Clark, better known as Papa Tom. Good morning, this is Papa Tom of The Father's Heart Talk Show. And I'm excited about today's show. Probably the most excited I've been about any show that I have given here at this radio station. And the reason why I'm excited about it is because of our topic. And the topic is about enthusiasm. Don't forget, the Father's Heart Talk Show is about relationships. Relationships to fathers and relationship to God the Father. And all of that's going to be included in this show. In fact, the stories that I have to tell about enthusiasms um, contains a personal story that's probably the most uh, important story of my life that I feel encouraged to share with uh, my audience, which I seem to think of my audience as my family, so my extended family, so to speak. So don't forget our mission statement is Malachi 4, 6, bring the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. So today's story has got to be about enthusiasm. No great thing was ever accomplished without enthusiasm. The promise I have for you today is I'm going to show you how enthusiasm gives us energy to succeed in life. Enthusiasm will turn you on. Enthusiasm, think about being, being brought on, put on fire. So, as in most shows, we start with the word. We have to understand what the definition of enthusiasm is. What does enthusiasm mean? The definition, one definition is intense and an eager enjoyment, interest or approval. Her energy and enthusiasm for life. The synonyms for enthusiasm would be eagerness, ardor, fervor, zeal, passion. And um, sometimes it refers to religious fanaticism. I actually uh, enjoy the Noah Webster version back in the 1850s. Noah Webster put in his dictionary that enthusiasm was getting excited about what God has revealed to you getting excited about what God has revealed to you. And if you go back even further than 1850, go back to the Greeks, which is the word originally come from, the noun enthusiasm comes from the Greek word enthusiasmos, from the word, the Greek word enthos, meaning possessed by a god or inspired. It was originally used in derogatory sense to describe religious zeal. Today, both the religious and derogatory connotations are gone from enthusiasm. But the zeal has survived. Use it to describe great excitement or interest, like when you feel like when you're doing something you really, really enjoy. So today's story, we're going to talk about, start with sports, because we'll talk the lighter version of the story, because the personal story later in the show today is going to be kind of heavy, I guess, in certain ways. Uh, the personal story I'm going to reveal. So enthusiasm brings energy. Don't forget, we got three sources of energy. We got time, we got money. Think of money as currency, which has energy in it. And energy. Time, money, and energy. So I'm going to share some stories that uh, to me in part of my past and um, my life experiences. I like sports. For those of you who haven't figured it out yet, I like sports. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to tell you some Morgan Wooten stories that my son had revealed to me. Uh when my son was playing for Morgan Wooten, uh, and he was a father. Morgan Wooten was a, not only a coach, but he had a father's attitude, and he understood the value of enthusiasm. When his basketball team was losing in the last two minutes of a game, Morgan would call timeout. Every single time without fail, he'd call timeout. 
The fans would be screaming, the faces of the players would be forlorn, and without fail, Morgan Wooten would say, we got them right where we want them. All it took was one of his five to believe, and it would be contagious. The enthusiasm would rise up, a play would make a play, then two or three more would believe, and the fans would go nuts, and more often than not, his team would win the tight games. Morgan would practice for two hours, um, and in his practices, his two-hour practices, the second hour would always be the two-minute drill for an hour every time the team practiced. He would set the clock uh, at uh, two minutes. He had his um, assistant set the clock, and they run a two-minute drill, two minutes. And he'd set different um, – he had his A team and his B team playing against each other uh, under all different scenarios. They go over and over and over again. They practice tight games. So when it came live and they were an actual game, he would always say the same thing if they were losing. We got them right where we want them. Another story I could tell you about enthusiasm is, and Morgan's appreciation of it. In the summer camps that Morgan used to whistle around, he had a special drill called loose ball. And he would have one of his players uh, dress up as kind of like a, uh, a crazy man. And he'd yell the word loose ball, and all the kids would run and try to to find the ball, and that was an a, a incentive to get enthusiastic about uh, going after loose balls. That reminded me of a story, actually, that I had read about uh, <coughs> Coach Bear Bryant from Alabama. And for the tryouts for his team, he would set up on his scaffolding overlooking the practice field, and there's a 100-yard football field, and he'd pick two footballs, uh, one on each of the hash marks at one end of the field, and on the other end of the field, you have 100 players trying out for the team. And he told him, whatever two players would be able to get those two footballs would automatically become a member of the University of Alabama football team. And one year, he had... He blew the whistle, and in a cloud of dust, the 100 players went down, and then there was a pileup, and then the pileup moved. And then out of the dust, where the dust cleared, was Leroy Jordan, and he came running out with both footballs. Needless to say, Leroy Jordan made the University of Alabama's football team. Another story I have is about my son, uh, my oldest son, Isaac. We call him Zach. And he was um, working for Citigroup, he graduated about in 2005, so three years later, in about 2008, uh, he was uh, trying to get this position that would have set him in for life financially. If he would have got this position, he would have made millions of dollars. So he studied for an entire year, and then um, there were about 200 applicants for the job, and these were all top business school graduates from Ivy League schools, and they all had the inside track. And he was younger than most of them, and he was going for this particular position, and the night before, or I should say the, the morning before, he was praying, and the Lord revealed to him. Remember, enthusiasm is getting excited about what the Lord reveals to you. And he, God spoke to him and said, no matter what happens, whether you get this job or not, you've got to realize that uh, I have something better for you, or good for you. So uh, with that in his mind, um, he... Uh, with that in mind, he uh, went and uh, went into the uh, to, to find out whether he got the job or not. 
And uh, he had spent all the time for a year studying. He had met all the right decision makers. And it came down a short list, maybe three to five people. We don't know. He doesn't know. But the morning that uh, that happened, uh, he found out that he came in second. And ironically, his mentor got the job. And they complimented him and said, you're the youngest to go for this position, so on and so forth. But he walked out of there, and he was so excited, had so much enthusiasm, because even though he didn't get the job, he realized God had spoken to him that he had something better for him. As it turned out, that was in early 2008. By the end of that year, the person who got the job was, was released, let go. The entire department was let go. And... Um, my Isaac began to, got another job with another company unraveling derivatives at that time with uh, the following year with um, the Lehman Brothers group. So that was the story there about um, Isaac getting that job and more importantly um, realizing God has spoken to him. So he was actually more enthusiastic not receiving the job than he would have been if he got the job. And as history proved itself, it was God's blessing in his life. So here's the personal story I'd like to reveal to you. This is a story uh, that was very touching to my heart. There was a time back in um, June 21st, it turns out, because I looked it up, in 1981. My wife and I had been married three years. I was sitting in a church on a Sunday morning. And I was sitting in the pew next to the aisle, and God spoke to me, and he said, you're going to be a father. And I said, hmm. So I leaned over and spoke to my wife, Janie. I said, God just told me we're gonna, I'm going to be a father. A couple of minutes later, uh, a woman uh, who was a prophetess in the church came up to us. And her name was Mary Ann Tennant. specifically remember her name to this day. And she leaned over and says, the Lord gave me a word for you, too. She said, you're going to be, at the right time, you're going to be readied parents. And I said, hmm, confirmation. The Lord told me I was going to be a father. This woman tells us we're going to be ready parents. So after the uh, service, we went up to the pastor, and we told him that what the Lord has showed to us. He said, well, you may not be pregnant at the moment, but you can hang on to that word, which we did enthusiastically. In fact, that night, we went out and uh, we celebrated being parents, even though we weren't pregnant. In fact, um, having been married for three years, uh, we never got pregnant for the first three years of our marriage. It was interesting when I thought about it because the, pat, the one who was preaching that day, not the pastor, but the one who was preaching was the person who was eventually going to become uh, my father in the Lord, Brother Robert Ewing from Waco, Texas. And he was preaching from the story of Abraham. And he was talking about Abraham and how Abraham's life was a series of, I wouldn't say disasters, but uh, where he was unfaithful or he uh, did not show very much faith uh, in most of his life experiences. But in the story of Abraham, he eventually became the father uh, of faith, known as the father of faith, because of his willingness to offer sacrifices uh, only son of the covenant, which was Isaac. And that was the story that my father in law was telling. And it just so turned out that that was Father's Day, June 21st, 1981. And on Father's Day, my future father of the Lord, and God my father told me I'd be a father, and he was talking about Abraham being the father uh, of faith. So we were celebrated that day, and uh, six months later, 
there was a prophet that came by uh, speaking to the church, and his name was Rod Enzer. And um, I mention these people's names because I don't think they're even alive anymore. Uh, but to be specific, to tell you, God is my witness, the story is true. And um, he stayed with us in our home. And we had like an experience with him and staying with us in his home. He was like Elijah with the Shumanite woman. He realized that we didn't have children, so he felt impelled, uh, compelled by the Lord to pray for us that we would have a child. And uh, so he did pray for us, uh, specifically when he left. He had to leave after a week. And he prayed for us that my wife and I would have a child, just like Elijah prayed for the Shumanite woman. And then a week later, I'll have to tell you something before this. During the six months uh, between Father's Day and Rod Enzer coming in to town, um, my wife received a word from the Lord. At that time, it was the only word that she had received. And it was Psalm 113, verse 9. And this was the verse. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyful mother of children. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyful mother of children. You see, we didn't realize it at the time. Uh, I must be being naive, but my wife was barren. And she couldn't conceive children. We were, like I said, not uh, practicing birth control. We didn't have any children for three years. And that's happened in a six-month period. So one week after Rod Enzer left, and he calls back my wife, Janie, and he says, I forgot to tell you guys something. He said, the Lord gave me a scripture for you. And it's Psalm 113, verse 9. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyful mother of children. My wife began to cry because she knew that the Lord had spoken to her and he confirmed his word to her through this prophet. Well, let's roll the clock forward eight months. My wife soon, right after that, found out she was pregnant. Eight months later, I'm sitting in a Bible study, and God speaks to me again and tells me his name shall be Isaac. And I said, Isaac? I don't, I don't like that name, Isaac. I said, how can I call him Isaac? I come from an Irish Catholic family. Everybody's name is Tommy, Timmy, Kevin, Danny. Well, you know, how am I going to name him Isaac? And the Lord says, Itzak, I-T-Z-A-A-K. You can call him Zach if you want to, but Isaac shall be his name. So I told my wife, and his name was Isaac. And my wife says to me, well, I, I hope he's a boy. If you're going to name him Isaac, I hope he's a boy. So then sure enough, a month later, he's born. And his name is Isaac. And then I'm saying, thinking again and praying, the Lord says to me, his middle name shall be Elijah. E-L-I-J-A-H. Elijah. I tell my wife it's Elijah. She goes, oh, no, I can't go with this. I, I went with Isaac. I got to stand, you know, I, I went with you with Isaac, but I, we can't name him Isaac Elijah Clark. I mean, that's the most ridiculous thing I can think of. How could you possibly come up with that name Elijah? I mean, it's, uh, you know, uh, we live in America, she said, after all. So I looked at a baby's book, and I looked under the name Elijah, and there was a word under the baby's book that says, in Italian, the name is Ilya, E-L-I-A. And I said, Ilya? I said, my wife's last name is Delia. She's Italian. Capital D, apostrophe, capital E-L-I-A, Delia. I said, well, 
I said, can we name him Delia? And Lord says, as an accommodation to your family, you can name him Delia. But in the book of life, his name is Elijah. So I told my wife, we could name him Delia. Your maiden name. And she got so excited and happy. She said, Delia. So his name is Isaac Delia. You know, his birth certificate, so on and so forth, that's the name we went with. But there's an important part of the second part of that story. Because when I started writing my children's books two years ago, three years ago, two years ago, I guess, in 2020, um, the Lord told me how important names are. Names are extremely, words are extremely important. Names are made of words, so therefore names are very important. So he said, write down your children's names. So I began to write down the children's names. Isaac, Elijah, E-L-I-J-A-H. Joshua, J-O-S-H-U-A. Noah, Joshua, Noah. Deborah, Jane, Deborah Jane. Hannah, Beth. Jonathan, Samuel, uh, Jonathan David Samuel, Samuel Isaiah. When I wrote all their names down, the first and middle names, he said, now circle the H's. And I circled the H's. And then each one of my children has one or more H's in their names that God had given me. Because it's God's way to move through the Father to name his children. And when I saw their names and I saw what was in there, he says, you see, I put part of my name, Yah. Way, Y-H-W-H. Now I've got two H's in my name. The H is the sound, is the word or the letter symbolizing love. The W is the, is the letter symbolizing man. And in the very name Yahweh, you have man symbolized by the W sandwiched in between the two letters for love, Yahweh. And he says, just like I did with Abram and put changed his name to Abraham with an H, the father of many nations. So too I put the letter H in each one of your children's names so they would feel the love that I have for them every time their name is expressed. I want to show you a picture of my children right now. And in that picture you can see that is uh, the six children of my wife and I. And they came and they were born, came forth enthusiastically we received, um, we got excited about what God had revealed to us and our family became to us because of that. Now I want to actually change over a little bit to talk about some scriptures that describe enthusiasm. One of the most enthusiastic people, a man after God's own heart, was David. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. You see, God had revealed to David how to bring the ark to Jerusalem. That's why he was celebrating and dancing before the Lord. Now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael Saul's, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. 
Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the men and women, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out and met David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, she said, uncovering himself in the eyes of the maids of his servants, as one of those base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore I will play music before the Lord, and I will be even more undignified than this, and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. You see, David knew, and he was excited and enthusiastic about being king, because God revealed to him who he was and what his calling on. You know, I'm also reminded about in the Revelations, it talks about uh, God doesn't like lukewarmness. He wants us to be enthusiastic. And he wants to give us something to be enthusiastic about. You know, you can't be enthusiastic about something if you're not really told anything. So he wants to share with his children things he wants us to know. And when he does share those things he wants us to know, he wants us to get excited about it. That's what enthusiasm is all about. That's what life is worth living. So in Revelations, he says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things, says the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold or hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of your mouth. God protect you from ever being lukewarm. If you want to be hot or cold, go for it because it's something that um, is important in the heart of God that we have expressed our emotions, particularly our emotions towards him. And he wants us to get excited. He wants us to be enthusiastic. He wants us to live our life that way. So I'm going to get excited about one thing that's been a blessing to me. And it's, it's actually calling out our first sponsor, our first sponsor of the Father's Hot Talk Show. And this person is excited about it. And it's, it's really uh, encouraging to me. Uh, I want to honor and be thankful for the team at Carson Wealth Management, our first sponsor. Ted DeLisse and his team have decided to sponsor us, and we are so thankful for them. And we're looking for other people who uh, can appreciate the words that are coming forth on this show, uh, this radio show, on um, Thursday mornings at 8 o'clock. We also put it out on Facebook, and it's also now becoming available on YouTube. And it's an expression of the uh, heart of God the Father for his children. And we would um, encourage you, because I'm not, I'm not in the business of persuading anymore. You know, I left the financial services industry, and I realized that a lot of my time was spent in the financial services industry persuading people. Now that I'm retired, I don't persuade anymore. I just present. I present it to you, and I just rest in the truth that God has his people, and God speaks to him. And I want his people, when you're encouraged, to encourage me to get some feedback from you. So another encouraging thing is to call the station. So I have this um, telephone number that I would like you to uh, remember, 704-872-6345. This is the radio station's 
telephone number. You can leave a voicemail message, and the exact voicemail message will be transmitted to me. So you can leave, call up any time of day, 24-7, and leave a voicemail message, and I'll be sure to get it. 704-872-6345. I really appreciate your feedback because it's something that uh, helps me in my craft of being in media and sharing with you people, uh, sharing with my audience, which I consider family, to uh, um Understand what their needs are, what they want to uh, understand, how, how they're responding back to uh, these messages that God's showing me that he wants me to reveal to them. So I'm very thankful to be here. I'm enthusiastic today. I bless you to be enthusiastic. I bless you to seek the Lord, to hear from him what you can be enthusiastic about. He doesn't expect you to be enthusiastic about nothing. He wants to give you something you can be enthusiastic about. Remember, enthusiasm is getting excited about what God has revealed to you. So this is the Father's Heart Talk Show, and we're excited today to be here and sharing with you words that God put on my heart for you. You've been listening to the Father's Heart with Tom Clark. Join us again next Thursday morning at 8, right here on News Talk.